Welcome to another podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. You can find out more about CGI Burlington on our website at cgiburlington.org. So the first stage actually starts with Book of Acts chapter 1 verse 1 and it ends in chapter 6 and verse 7. And, you know, we, we cover most of the chapters now, so we're not going to spend too much time. I'm not going to spend any details in all, all the stages too much. Just give you just quick, you know, like an outlook what happened there. Like we remember here, we, we already studied it. There was ascension of Christ. We know the preaching of Peter, how beautiful sermon he, you know, he, he, he actually delivered on the Feast of Pentecost. We also were witnesses of the establishing of the church in Jerusalem. But if you open your Bible to the book of Acts chapter 2, just a quick reminder. Book of Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. Then the day of Pentecost had fully come. They were all with one accord in one place. And then skip down to verse 7. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And I just want to show you how God prepared everything in advance for spreading the gospel to different corners of the entire world. And I asked Landon, Landon, where are you? Yeah, he's got some maps, so try to share. I don't have, I have, I have enough for everybody. If you, have the, if you have the map in your hand, just go to some of the names. You will have some ideas. I hope you like geography, or at least you can understand what parts of the world we're talking about. So just have a look at the map. And look at some of what it says here in verse 8. And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? So imagine, I said it many times, imagine if I come to you speak one day, one Sabbath, and let's say I deliver, I speak, let's say, a message, and suddenly you can hear me, let's say, speaking in a perfect English, and let's say Jennifer in a perfect British accent. You would just look at me, that's, 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 it's impossible, Right? That's not Jen, he can't, you know, his accent, he's speaking perfect English. So you'll have to conclude that that's a miracle, right? Or imagine if I can go and I speak Italian, or I speak Russian, or any other language that I'm not familiar with. You have to conclude, that's a miracle. And that's exactly what happened at the day. Look at, there are Jews and proselytes present from many different nations, and when we slowly just look at some of the names. He mentioned in verse 9, Parthians and Medes and Elamites, and they are not on the map, but if you look to the, but you will look to the east side, when you see the Syria, when you see the Arabia, further to, the, to the, your right side on the map, you will see the Medes, you will see the Parthian, you will see, you see the oldest, oldest nations that are actually mentioned here. Can you locate Jerusalem? Where is Jerusalem on the map? Can you see Jerusalem there? So to the right from Jerusalem, there will be all the Medes, all the Persians, all the other nations that are mentioned right here, right? So you see what Jerusalem is. And he, and he continues in verse, and, he, and he's still going, dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontius, and Asia. Can you locate Asia? You see what is Asia on the map? Can you see it? Asia is actually written with the big letters in the middle of the map, Asia. Can you see it? All right. 
That's good that you can see it. Asia, you see the, you see the Pontus, you see the, where is the Pontus at the top of the Black Sea, at the bottom of the Black Sea, where it says Bithynia and Pontus. Can you locate on the map? All right. And it says Persia and Pompilia. Uh, you can probably see Pompilia on the map. Yeah, the Pompilia is close to Sicilia. I don't know if it's written there, but that's where the geographic location it is. But yeah, actually it's Pamphylia. It's right there. So you can see, if you can see Sicilia, you can see that we will be able to see, you know, Pamphylia. And you also mentioned Egypt and Libya. So look at the bottom of the Mediterranean Sea. You can see what is the Libya there. And you can see what is the Egypt there. And he also mentioned here, Cyrene. And he says, visitors from Rome. Can you locate Rome where it is? So you know where the Rome is on the map, right? I just, I, I just wanted to give you this map because sometimes when you read through, we don't bother to check the map. We don't bother to look where the actually, actual locations are. But you can, you can now be like to look at the distance that these people travel just to be present for the Feast of Pentecost. And if these people were present at Jerusalem at the time, during the Pentecost Feast, when they experienced all these beautiful miracles that happened there, well, let's say there are some people who could speak, let's say, Egyptians and Hebrew, and they walk to Jerusalem and they see Jan, an educated man speaking perfect language in their own language, they'll be obviously amazed. They're walking from all kinds of distances coming to Jerusalem. Now they're, they're experiencing all the miracles. Guess what they're going to be talking when they're, gonna back, when they're actually going to travel back home? What are they going to be talking about? They're going to prepare their families, they're going to prepare their neighbors. They will talk to all the people. What kind of miracle they experienced in Jerusalem during the Feast of Pentecost last time, right? It just makes sense. And so that's, that's the stage one, as Christ said. You've got to preach the gospel, he said, first in Jerusalem. But the grounds were set. All these nations were here in Jerusalem. They're preaching in Jerusalem, but it's having worldwide effect. And we see it a little bit later as it comes to the fruition, right? And now... Each stage here, each stage is concluded. I call it a progress report. So we'll come to this a little bit. Actually, let's look at the stage one. Stage one, Acts chapter 6, and look at verse 7. Book of Acts chapter 6, and look at verse 7. It's kind of, I call it like a progress report. So this first stage, look concluded, then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and great men of the priests were obedient to the faith. That's A+. plus. So far, the church is doing a wonderful job. So we concluded the stage 1. That's where it's stage 1. It's, it's finished right here in chapter 6 and verse 7. Now we go to stage 2. And stage 2 starts from chapter 6 here and verse 8, and it goes all the way to chapter 9 and verse 31. So just want to highlight or write it down. So it's book of Acts chapter 6 and verse 8. It goes all the way to chapter 9 and verse 31. So stage 2. Now we're talking about Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. So Samaria is not here on your map. It's not actually, it's not named there or Galilee, but you can see what is Jerusalem, right? You can locate Jerusalem on your map. Just, just, just the top of Jerusalem you know, long distance, short distance here, it will be, will be actually Galilee, and it will be also, it will be Samaria and Galilee, very close to Jerusalem. 
and Judea. So we know what is Judea. You, have, you see what is the Judea on the map. So now the gospel is spreading slowly. Stage two is going out from Jerusalem. Now we're going to Judea, we're going to Galilee, and we're going to Samaria. And, you know, all the, just the highlights from all these chapters, you know, we, I think we did some of them. No, we actually didn't. But you can remember the martyrdom of Stephen. And you can also remember, probably you all know, ministry of Philip, right? I want you to just one verse from there. Uh, chapter 8. Chapter 8 and verse 3. How the gospel is spread. What kind of tools God is using to spread the gospel. And most of the time, as we're going to see through the book of Acts, is persecution. So, chapter 8 and verse, verse 3. As for Saul, he made a foul havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging of men and women, committing them to prison. So people are scared. They have to run for their lives. Therefore, those who were scattered went anywhere, preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitude, with one accord, heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. And we can know also later that he actually spoke to the uh, official of Ethiopia. So that's even further down in Africa, an African continent. That's how, you know, gospel was actually spread through the persecution. And, you know, also here we can see later on the conversion of Saul. Just to quickly, just to give you just an overview, right? We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna come back there through the study, chapter by chapter and verse by verse a little bit later. But also at the end of this stage, there is also a progress report. And it's right here in chapter 9 and in verse 31. Chapter 9 and in verse 30, 31. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were, and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord, in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. A plus stage two. So you can see it slowly how it's progressing. From Jerusalem, now it's Judea, Galilee, Samaria. Now we go to stage three. So stage three, we can call it anyway from different names, but I basically call coastland and Syria. Coastland in Syria, and it starts from chapter 9 and verse 32, and it goes all the way to chapter 12 and verse 24. So chapter 9, verse 32, all the way to chapter 12 and verse 24. Now when you look at the map, can you locate Syria? Can you see Syria on the map? Just north of north of Jerusalem. So there is a Syria, and at the top of Syria there, there is Antioch. Can you see Antioch? City of Antioch in Syria? You have to keep in mind, there are two cities of Antioch. That's one city here, and just when you go in straight line and go to the left, there is also Antioch on the left side, which is close to Altalia. I don't know if you see it on your map. But that's, that's Antioch, that's in, in Pisidia. That's a different town, right? So sometimes when you see in the book of Acts, there's two towns. You know, Luke makes specific that he described them, which Antioch is the Syrian Antioch and Pisidian Antioch. So we have to know it's not the same city, right? I'm just showing as a, so you know when you're reading, just don't get confused, right? So that's the, then the, that's the next stage. It's going even farther now. 
doesn't just it can't contain it into Judea and Galilee. It's now it's going traveling farther. It's farther into Syria, right? It's traveling to the coastline, the coastline like Europe and uh, the cities by the by the by the sea there, right? And you know, that's where this stage where if you remember Peter performed great miracle. I think Dorcas was dead and he resurrected her to life. There is also Peter who is preaching to this uh, to Cornelius there. That he had a great vision there, okay. And there is also in this in this stage that Herod actually died. But just one scripture here. If you go to chapter eleven, chapter eleven, in verse nineteen. In verse nineteen, now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen, uh, Stephen. Travel as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews. But you know, we already know where Antioch is, and you know, and you know where the Cyprus is. It's not marked on the map, but anyone who is good in geography, if anyone can locate Cyprus, I'll just give you a few seconds and see if we can locate Cyprus on the map. It's not, it's not identified. But let's see if we have a good geography student who can locate Cyprus. Lisa, you know where is Cyprus? It's on that island to the west of Syria where it says Patos. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. So that's Cyprus. Everybody, can you see the way Cyprus? Can you see it? You know where it is? Okay, so you know where it is Cyprus, right? So, but some of them, verse 20, but some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene who, who when they had come to Antioch, spoke to Helen, is preaching the Lord Jesus, and the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. And in verse 22, look at this. The news of these things came to the ears of the, of the, ears to the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. When he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them, and encouraged them all that with purpose, that with purpose of heart they, they, they should continue with the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. So we can see how progressively the gospel is, you know, moving, is moving farther away from Jerusalem at each of the stages. And also, at the end of this stage, there is a progress report, and it's chapter 12 and in verse 24. Chapter 12 and in verse 24, right here it says, But the word of God grew and multiply. A plus. They're doing an excellent job going from stage to stage to stage. Now, stage four. Now we're getting closer to the end of it. I said there are six of them, so we're on chapter we're already on stage four. And you already know what is Cyprus. But stage four is Cyprus and Galatia. Can you locate Galatia on your map? Can you see where it is? There is the big letters, the gray letters, Galatia. And now we're in Cyprus already, right? So you can see Galatia in Cyprus. So you can see how nicely we are progressing, right? How the gospel is moving all the time. So during this stage, we see Paul. He's actually starting his first ministry and his first mission. And he actually, his first mission is to Cyprus and, you know, the region south of Cyprus or north of Cyprus. And during this stage... The important thing happened at Jerusalem because Jerusalem church, because there were so many Gentiles who believed. They had some issue with their circumcision, 
which we're going to come and study in details later on when Pastor Edgerman, you know, continue the, the Bible study, verse, uh, chapter by chapter and verse by verse. We'll get to here. We will get to there. And also, during this time, during this stage, Paul actually began his second missionary journey, which also will come to this a little bit later. But just one verse from this stage, chapter 13, and in verse 14, But when departed from, per, from, from Perga, they came to Antioch in Pisidia. So that's what I was saying. I wanted to say that, you know, we have to be clear which Antioch is it, because there are two ones. So that's the other one. Antioch in Pisidia, and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath, Sabbath day, and they sat down. So you can see how the gospel is Galatia, and now we go even into further, into other provinces. Now we know in, the, in another Antioch, in, on the Pisidian side, on the Pisidian territory, right? So... As we move along, that's the conclusion of stage four. And, you know, at the end of stage four, and the stage four, I didn't, I don't, I did they give you the chapters where it's gone? So stage four starts from chapter 12 and verse 25 and ed, ends at chapter 16 and verse 5. So start at chapter 12 and verse 25 and ends at chapter 16 and in verse 5. So let's go to the progress report in chapter 16. And in verse 5, chapter 16 and verse 5. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. That's another A plus, another stage. And we move on to the next stage. So the next stage, stage 5. Am I too fast? Okay. Stage 5. So now in this stage 5 we have Macedonia, we have Ahia, we have Philippi, or you can, you can put Greece there, Athens and Asia. So Greece, Athens, Asia, Macedonia, and now I want you to also look at the map, if you can, you can locate where is Asia. Can you see it on the map where is Asia? Okay, now we can, can you see where is Macedonia? So you see how far we move, how far away from Jerusalem we're going, how we're traveling. And during this time, during this stage, you know, Paul journeyed from Syria to Macedonia. And during this time, during this stage, we can, we can actually read about the Lydia. We can read when they were jailed at Philippi, then another great miracle happened. And we can also read in this stage in the book of Acts when Paul actually returned after his journey to Ephesus and he spent around two years there. There is also, during this part, there is Apollo's journeys here. But just one verse from here, chapter 17, and in verse Just give me a second. I think I may have a wrong scripture here. 17.29. Yeah. So that's basically when Paul was speaking in Athens, speaking to the philosopher here. And I like how he worded it in verse 29, when Paul gave a speech there. In verse 29, he says, Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, 
That's very interesting how Paul would describe it. We are the offspring of God. We ought not to think that divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by, by art and man's devising. Truly, these things of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent, because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man who he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. So the greatest assurance that all of us can have is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And here, and here later in verse 32, and when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but while others said, we will hear you again on this matter. And in verse 34, however, some men join him and believe it. And there is the names of some people who are actually converted on the day in Athens, the capital of democracy, the capital of all the philosophy that is still affecting us to this day. Paul is preaching a gospel and the gospel actually is getting hold in the most sophisticated town at the time, which was the Athens, the most educated towns of all. So that's stage five. And the progress report at this stage will be in chapter 19 and verse 20. Did they give you the chapter for this stage? So it started from chapter 16 and verse 6, and it ends at chapter 19 and verse 20. 16, verse 6, and then end at chapter 19 and verse 20. And in chapter 16 and verse 20, it says, For the word of Lord grew mightily and prevailed, even in Greece. Another A+, plus for the first century church, and especially miraculous work of Jesus Christ. So we come down to the last stage. And last stage is the longest one in the book of Acts, but... The last stage, just call it Rome. So the stage 6 in Rome, call it Rome, starts from here from verse 19 and verse 21. All the way to chapter 28 and verse 31. And you can see, you shouldn't have any problem to locate Rome on the map. You can see where the Rome is. Okay. So during these stages... Probably many can remember when you read and when you studied the book of Acts, there was uproar in Ephesus, and then his Paul's final journey, the fourth journey, begins. And he, along the way, as he's convicted, he's traveling to Rome. He's revisiting all the cities in, in Macedonia and in Ohio and, and Ohio and everywhere. But just to give you the last scripture here, uh, not last scripture, but just uh, look at chapter 28. Chapter 28, chapter 28 and verse 1, and you can see how far the gospel is traveling now. When they had escaped, that they had found out that the island, remember they were shipwrecked, and they, were, they finally didn't know where they, where, they, where they actually end up. They went up on the island, and the island was called Malta. And Malta is not marked on the map. So, can anyone locate where is Malta? It's the little tiny island, and it's just the south of the Sicily. So, it's just a little tiny island. You can see the green line going there. 
So it's just a little tiny white dot. That's Malta. So that's where Paul ended up when there was a storm on the sea and everybody actually survived that storm, including Paul. So he spent some time here in Malta. In verse 7, the same chapter, chapter 28, in the region there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island whose name was Pabius, who received us, entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the father of, of Pabius lay sick of a fever and the sanitary. Paul went into him and prayed, and he laid his hand on him and healed him. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. They also honored us in many ways. And when we departed, they provided such things as, as were necessary. So you can also imagine now, all these people actually get the news, what Paul did, the spread, and how Paul probably preached to gospel to anyone who was just, you know, ready to listen. So we can see it, how the gospel is going all over, to the, to the east, to the west, to the, especially to the north. So that's stage six, and also Luke will give us a progress report here at the end of this stage. And it actually starts here in verse 30, at the end of this book. In verse 30 it says, Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house, and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. 30 years, 30 years, Jesus Christ started with 12 disciples. Then, on 120, on the day of Pentecost, growing to thousands of thousands of followers, just 30 years later. And at the end of it, the book of Acts, Paul is preaching where? In the capital of the Roman Empire. Is preaching to Romans itself at the greatest empire that ever existed, Rome. And you know what's so amazing? While he's at Rome, go to Philippians chapter 4. Just for a second here, Philippians chapter 4, where he actually wrote the letter from Rome. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 22. All the saints greet you, but especially those who are of Caesar's household. This is amazing. This is miracle in itself. In Caesar's household, the people who serve Caesar are Christians. Can you imagine that? And everything because of Paul's doing. So, I know there's much to say. We can go on and on all day. But I consume almost 50 minutes of my time. So I just, I just wanted to share how, you know, how I find it easy when I all the time when I, you know, do something and I read something, I have a map. So I can have some imagination when they men mention some towns, some places. I know exactly what's going on, what's happening. And visually we can go and see at the map how the gospel was progressing further and further and further from Jerusalem. So I'll stop right now. And I don't know if you have any questions. I don't know if I'll be able to answer them all. But maybe we don't have any questions. Maybe you have some comments. Hopefully some good comments. Pastor Murray. I think your study is a good example of 
um, when we read when we read the Bible, we read Scripture. We take time to go through it and not overlook little details that might just seem like insignificant uh, description of setting. When you take when you went through and noted all those progress reports, and you took us from uh, 12 disciples to the 120 to Jerusalem, all the way to um, to Rome, and then factoring in what you said at the end of Philippians, it's it's uh, it's an amazing timeline. What we've been trying to say for three or four years that the 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 Bible itself is a timeline, and and no detail is insignificant. Absolutely, I agree. And you know, we live in a society that you know people don't study geography anymore. If we can see, if we can understand, you know, when you mention like Malta and Sicily, or we mention you know Cyprus, many people have no idea where these places, where they are, where they exist. But, you know, gospel is full of places, full of towns and names. So I think it's good to know. I think it helps you to understand more when you know where these places, you know, where they exist or where existing at the time. Any other comments? Or? Thank you, Brother Jan, for a wonderful study. Thank you. We were blessed by that. Um, I just wonder if you could, you said it in passing, but if you could just spend a little time elaborating I'm not clear what you mean by Christ being in the same two different places at the same time and specifically emphasizing the same time. So what I believe that when Jesus Christ ascended to heaven, he just become in, 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 in way, in form, in substance, just like his father. So if, he, if his father is omnipresent, I think Jesus Christ had the same quality. So he could actually see, he could overlook just think about, in our society, you know, like nations, they, they go to war. And let's say, if the American generals would be able to see into the heads what's happening, let's say, on the Chinese side, right? They'll have a big, big advantage. That's why we have spy agencies trying to do all this stuff. But, you know, spreading the gospel, Jesus Christ didn't have to do it. Because he can overlook the entire globe and see what's happening in people's hearts. He could know what's happening in different regions, the culture and all this stuff. And he could just send his disciples over there. And that's why I believe, strongly believe that Jesus Christ in his spirit's form could be talking to you and could be talking to me at the same time. We might not even realize. So I think just to clarify. Okay. God has form and shape. Yes. We are God made, is spirit. We are made in his yep. image. His Holy Spirit is omnipresent. But God sits in a throne, and Christ sits in a throne, and we will sit in thrones, and we will be in different places. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, Christ is everywhere. Yeah, that's what but, I meant. But his embodiment is in one place at a time. Okay. Yeah. I agree with that. Okay, great. Sorry if I tried to. My point was just, you know, the limitation of the physical body. During his earthly ministry, in a physical body, he was limited. Later, after ascension, he could actually help a lot his disciples to go and spread the gospel. And that's the evidence what he promised, that's what he did. Anywhere. And we know after the resurrection what happened. He could appear or disappear, go through the walls. and So that's the, that's the beautiful things for all of us, because that's what our hope is. As I read the scriptures, that that's what you live for. Resurrection is the greatest sign that we ever received. So that's what we live for. If there is no resurrection, then, you know, just go home, go shopping, have fun. Any other comments? Still have some time, so any other comments? Any other? Sister Olivia? Thank you. Thank you, Jan. It was a good study. Very good. Um, just adding, just a little bit of adding to what you said, 
very true about Luke being an excellent um, teacher. Yeah, of laying out the um, all of the details, what everybody had told him. Just to put it into our vernacular, like what we would see it as. I see it as he was a very good court reporter. Of course, I have to take Beautiful. it from my jury duty. Yeah, I yeah. always bring that in. But yeah, the court reporter sits there. Everything that everybody says, including the judge, gets recorded mm-hmm. in order as it was said. So, yeah, and, I think, and I think Luke would go deeper than that. He's not just recorded, he would analyze it. Right. He would analyze yeah, the he facts. Would give, yeah, he would give. And he would check it with other sources. Right. And he would check what's agree with the scripture, what doesn't agree, and that this facts he will put in the report. That, right. that he would go a little bit step further. But yes, that's a, if that helps you to understand how gifted he was, he was absolutely a very gifted teacher. Absolutely very gifted teacher. Any other? Still have five more minutes, so before coffee comes. Maybe just your thoughts on what went wrong. We, you, you gave us six sections, A pluses all the way, and then when we get into the epistles, <laughs> we see disasters. Uh, what, your thoughts on what went wrong? You know, that's a... I obviously have my own opinion, <laughs> which, you know, I don't want to maybe share here in public, but... But one thing is, one thing we know for sure that, you know, as much as quickly through the Holy Spirit, the gospel, the gospel message spread to almost all the Roman Empire. We have also to conclude that as quickly as it spread, it was actually quickly confined later on in the second century and third centuries. You know, when you would read the historical facts, what happened, especially the church suddenly emerged after the hundred years. Like, you know, we can read Book of Acts and study the first 30 years. And there is total silence. There is nothing happened. You can have any historical facts, and suddenly you come to the at the end of the at the end of the second century, third centuries, the church that we get to read there. It's just you wonder like, where where, where are they coming from? All this information. It's just totally they don't align with the Bible. So something great happened there. Something you know, something horrible happened there. And we know the destruction of Jerusalem and other historical factor, but. I think also our obedience and, you know, and many, many other factors. But, Brother Ray. Oh, yeah, uh, very good study. Uh, you, you mapped it out very well, and uh, it makes it logical moving forward. I think a lot of the, uh, the persecution came from uh, the fact that a lot of the priests said many priests believed and were converted. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think after that, uh, uh, to keep their place in position, the, uh, the, the people in charge of the religious establishment at the time, you know, had to start pushing back. And when they started pushing back, that's when Stephen got stoned and to death and, and uh, they were scattered. So I think that's when it, it started, when, when, when the, and even some Pharisees, as some mm-hmm. Pharisees mm-hmm. believed, I think, think that's when they push back in. I might, you know what I might say? I might say that persecution is helping the church. Because we can go through all the stages, stage 1, 2, and 3, and 4, and see persecution when actually the persecution drives the disciples away. Gospel is spread at the same time. And I think persecution is something good for a church. 
And persecution is something that you will have eventually to, will have to learn. And I think the biggest, I use the word killer for Christianity today, is just no persecution. You do what you want to do. And especially democracy. You know, I live in a communist country, and I know when you're persecuted, and you know your religion is very important to you. And somebody tells you that, you know, don't be stupid, don't go to church because God doesn't exist, and people rebel. And it says, who are you to tell me what to believe? And people will actually get up and go to church, rain, snow, no matter what. They'll actually go just to protest and go to the church. We live in Canada, we live in the United States, and a little rain will force some people to stay home. Yeah. Or, you know, just feelings like, you know, I just get up today morning and I just don't feel like it. Go to church. Yeah, you, because life is so good here. You, you hit on something there that uh, makes sense because uh, the scripture says everything works out for good. So when the persecution came, it was bad for the people being persecuted. But the church scattered all over the place. And wherever they went, they preached. So, Absolutely. so it grew. It kept yep. growing because of persecution. And also what persecution does to a church, it, you know, is a selection factor. Those who truly believe and those who just give up. On, you exactly. Know. So that the strongest ones remain and move on. Yeah. And make them persecution will make them even stronger. Yeah. But the weak, they just disappear. Separates the true believers from the... And here in, you One know, let's say all this democracy, we don't know who is, because, you know, it's easy to be a Christian here in Canada. It's easy to be a Christian. You know, even a Sabbath-keeping Christian is so much easier than, let's say, in Soviet Union or in China or somewhere else. Pastor Murray? I think you hit the nail on the head right at the end there. It's all about compromise, and that's what persecution does. It, it uh, separates the those who won't compromise from those who will compromise. And to answer the question uh, Brother Adrian had, the same thing happened to the, the people in Axis that happened throughout the, the whole storyline. It was some compromised when things got tough. There you go. So persecution in general, it's good. We don't like it, but God knows what is good for us. <laughs> Anyone? We have coffee now. So <laughs> This has been a podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. We hope you are blessed by it. To find out more about CGI Burlington, visit our website at cgiburlington.org.